is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. Wednesday, May 27th, 2020, Season 16, Episode 11. Welcome to... Another edition of The Break. We are live from the virtual SWBC Mortgage Studios in our homes. I got my normal crew here, Nick Eben, Amber Garcia, Dave Hellman, and we got a special guest today, one Todd Archer, ESPN staff writer. He's covered the Cowboys since 2003, longtime friend of the program. And uh, Todd, we appreciate you joining us today. How's everything going? Well, thanks for finally having me on. I really, really feel special. Finally? Is it? Awesome? Yeah, I've asked Nick time and time again. He's always shot me down. I mean, is that like a go-to line? That's what Darren Whitson said last week as well. <laughs> everybody's blaming Thanks Nick. Coach Woody up. Yeah, everybody's blaming Nick. And, of course, for those of you that don't know, Todd is also the father of Dave Hellman. So uh, True. <laughs> good, to have, good to have you join, Dad. You know. Hi, Dad. Yeah, there's always disappointments in life. It's fair. <laughs> Very fair. Let's jump right in, Todd. Um, I just want to start by getting your general thoughts on on where the Cowboys stand now after most of free agency has been done at this point and after what most people consider to be a pretty good draft. Where do you think they stand as a team from a, from a personnel standpoint? You go back to when free agency started, and it happens every year when the Cowboys don't do anything and the sky's falling, they're losing everybody. Uh, Byron Jones is gone. uh, Quinn is gone. All these guys are leaving. And all of a sudden you look up at the end of it and you're like, huh, this wasn't bad. And they were pretty good financially with these deals. Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe, Ha, Clinton Dix, the corners that they brought in, the guys that they kept, Amari Cooper and, and obviously Dak on the franchise tag. So, then you add in the draft. So I, I look at the Cowboys and I say, they're still a, a team or the team to beat in the NFC East. I'll, I'll, I'll let Philly hold the eight, the team to beat because they won it last year. But I don't think there's any surprise that people would say it's the Eagles and the Cowboys and the other two teams in the division. And if you get in the tournament, as Parcells like to say, it's anybody's game. And you add a new coach with Mike McCarthy, a guy with skins in the wall. This has been one of the better Cowboys offseasons in my view. It's interesting. You you mentioned Dak Prescott, and one of the reasons we wanted to have you on is because I know you've been uh, locked in on that whole thing going on. Tell us right now, what what's the current status as you know it with regards to the contract negotiations between the Cowboys and Dak's, uh, Dak's people? The current status is that Dak is closer to an extension that Hellman is ever going to be to sign an extension with, with y'all uh, <laughs> for far greater money. Uh, well, but- that part's true. but there's really not a heck of a lot going on right now and and the longer that it's and that kind of surprises me i thought after the draft they they would have gotten after this just because look where we are right now we're all at home we're not at an ota and and there's nothing going on on the field i thought that they might have been a little more proactive and trying to get this thing done before the july 15th deadline but I, i think right now if you had asked me this is getting down to what it was with des bryant in 2015 it's going to come down to that 3 o'clock deadline on July 15th. Ultimately, I think he signs a contract, but there's really not been a lot of back and forth between these guys, honestly, since the end of March. And people will shake their head and say, well, why are the Cowboys doing it this way? Well, there's two sides on this thing, too, that, that people don't seem to want to acknowledge as to why a deal isn't done yet. Todd, you wrote that uh, article um, maybe last week, and – what was one of the, the main reasons why you decided to do that? Did you maybe get new information or were you just tired of hearing some of the noise that was, you know, kind of the false narrative that was going on around this deal? Yeah, it, mainly the false narrative stuff and, and just the, the, everything that's been created, the drama around it. And I think some of it is a result of not having any sports on TV. There's no baseball, there's no basketball playoffs, there's no hockey playoffs. So, you know, back in the Cowboys was always going to generate headlines, but now it's just kind of become sublime of Dak's awful, Dak's great, Dak can't throw a pass, 
He's one of the most accurate guys in the game. The Cowboys waited too long to sign him. The Cowboys want him to take less. All of these things, it just kind of got me to say, all right, enough already. What's out there that we know of that's true? And what do we know that's out there that's that's not true? And that that's where the, the genesis of the idea came from to kind of put everything into perspective. I do have a question for you, Todd. It has nothing to do with Dak. I know that you have a good relationship with Jason Witten. Obviously, after we heard that he wasn't coming back to the Cowboys, we haven't necessarily gotten a chance to talk to him or hear much from him, his side of the story of kind of how things went down. I wanted to know if you have had any conversations with him and kind of get his side of things and how everything went with Mike McCarthy coming in and how those conversations went between both parties. I've talked to him only a little bit. I, I think with this pandemic, he's really not been in town uh, all, all that much, even if he's selling his uh, nice house at the moment, but not moving to Vegas. He's just moving up the street basically from where he lives. But I, I think at the end of the year, the way he was talking to us and, and you guys remember what he was like in the locker room, it seemed to think he would be on the coaching staff in some role in 2020. And then when Mike McCarthy came in, things kind of changed and he thought about playing uh, again. And I don't know if he was in M Mike McCarthy's plans to want to continue down this road again and play another season. So that's, and you think of McCarthy, he's had guys like Donald driver at the end of his time in green Bay, Brett Favre, obviously in, in green Bay as well. So he probably just said, you know what, not totally like what it was when Parcells and Emmett, had their kind of deal back when Bill came in in 03, but similar to that. And, and Jason in his mind said, okay, well, I want to go play somewhere else. And let's see what it's like. And, and the Raiders became a viable option. And I know he's excited to work with John Gruden and see what that offense is like after being in basically the same system since 2007. But I, I'm surprised that he's not coaching uh, on the Cowboys. I, I, I thought Jerry might've put his uh, foot or put his hand up and say, no, Mike, he's going to be on your staff. But he didn't. And, and then, you know, kudos for Jerry for not doing what everybody thinks he does and just bigfooting everybody in these situations. All right, Pops, I got a two-parter for you. And obviously it's going to be about Dak because we've talked more about that over the last three years than anything. Uh, number one, I agree with you. I think this is going to come down to July 15th. I don't see any reason why it would get done ahead of time at this point. If that is to happen, if Dak does get a deal before the deadline, which of the two sides is going to have to concede more to get it done? And then the other one, why is this, a, in your opinion at least, over your years covering the team, why is this a consistent theme with the Cowboys and it is typically a deadline day sort of situation? I, I, you know, I don't, on the last part, I don't know if that's specific to the Cowboys necessarily – that deadlines make deals. There's a lot of people, a lot of teams that have that, but we're obviously more in tune with the Cowboys. Now you can say, well, Carson Wentz got his deal done and Jared Goff then got his deal done. But I, I just view this as partially that betting on himself to the very end and arguably winning. I mean, he, he was staring last year on the, uh, on the season opener at $33 million a year and about 90, $95 million guaranteed to him. And he said, no, I'm going to play on two million bucks. Raise your hand if any of us would have done that. Heck no. And, and, but kudos to him, and he's done it. And now he's going to, you know, look, he, what is the ultimate price that's going to get up to? I mean, from what we've been told, it's $34.5 million a year, and his, and his guarantee is upward on par with what Jared Goff got from the Rams, about $110 million. So did that – did that buy him an extra couple, what would that be, 95, 15 million bucks, you know, over over a, a deal? Maybe maybe it has, but I think that the ultimate sticking point is going to be on the years of this thing. Is it five? Is it four? And who's going to cave? I mean, history tells you it's the Cowboys because they seem to cave a little bit on Zeke, seem to cave a little bit on Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, but but I, I go back to if both sides want to get this deal done, just sit down and get it done. And I think Dak's greatest trade is his awareness. I've told you guys that many times. And I think even if he were to take 35.1 million, 
and become the highest paid quarterback. There'll be people that say, man, what a great guy. He took less to stay with the Cowboys. And that would earn him so much cred because as soon as he, he signs his contract, he's no longer this fourth round pick that everybody enjoyed. And what a great find. It's now, all right, man, you better win some Super Bowls. The same thing happened to Romo after he got his big deal in 2007. You mentioned that uh, the the four or five years it could net out one one or the other. Tell me, tell the, the fans out there why that's so important. Why four years would presumably be so important to Dak, and why five years would be so important to the Cowboys? Because most fans probably look at it and say, okay, whatever, four or five, it doesn't matter. But why is that so important to each to to I guess string this thing out to try to get the number of years that they want? Yeah, well, on Dak's end of it is four years. The TV deals are all starting to come up, and if we if these things are going to be as pricey as we think they're going to be, although the pandemic might change the, the, the narrative a little bit, maybe uh, on what they could be. Um, you want to get out in free agency as soon as possible. So a four year deal. Sure. I mean, it, initially they were looking at three, but they've come to four. The Cowboys have been a six year deal and they've come to five from the Cowboys perspective. Why you want five is helps with the salary cap in terms of lowering the number, especially in the first year, spreading out that bonus uh, through through the through the years. And you don't want to start going through this again in after two years, right? If it's four years, we're going to say, when do they start looking at Dak again? When do they start looking at his contract? The more that you can push this thing out and, and have some uh, certainty at the position that he's going to be there, that's why the Cowboys want five, but Dak wants the four. I don't want to even say Dak. His agent wants the four to have the ability to go out there and cash in again. I will say, we all remember Romo signed his deal in 2013. I think he was 33 or four years old. Well, Dak's only going to be, what, 31 at the end of a five-year deal, 31, 32. The Cowboys are showing if if you can play well, they're going to pay you regardless of how old you are. Let's uh, let's you know, dive into that article. Nick mentioned that article a little earlier that you wrote, and I thought it was an interesting article. It was called Dispelling the Theories. And there were a number of theories that you kind of went through there talking about different things that people are saying just out in the basically in the Twitter sphere where, where it can be a gutter at times. But, you know, what some of the things that people are talking about as to, you know, things around the DAC contract. So I'm going to throw a few of them out to you and I want you to explain to me the basis for the theory and then your verdict on how you see it, whether it's important, whether it's true, uh, how much it really factors in. Let's start with the first one. You said Dallas waited too long to try to sign Prescott. I, I don't think that's true because as soon as they were able to sign him after his third year, they tried. They they were in that offseason of 2019, the first time they could come at him, and, and they, they tried to get a deal done. And again, we got to September where Jerry kind of hinted, we're close on this thing. Then we found out later that, okay, here were the numbers, and this is it seemed close at the time. Uh, so, you know, as Stephen Jones likes to say, two sides, you can only make a deal when both sides want to make a deal. I think the Cowboys thought they were getting to that point last September, but they didn't. So the fact that the Cowboys waited too long when they made him an offer that was greater than Wentz in average per year, and you can argue that their guarantee is greater than what Wentz and Goff got based on the money those guys are already guaranteed as the top two picks, that they put a fair offer on the table. I think they've been fair. Maybe they could have started a little higher to to get the process rolling a little bit but i don't you can't say they waited too long when they made him an offer that would have made him the fourth highest paid quarterback in the game the second one cowboys want prescott to settle for less that one kind of again the numbers we threw around a second ago 34 and a half million bucks that's the number two quarterback in the league russell wilson makes 35 110 million guaranteed makes him the highest tied for the highest with, with Goff. So if they want him to settle for less. They're not doing a good job of actually having him settle for less. Uh, when you've offered the number one in terms of average or number two in average per year and number one in, in potential guarantee. So now we don't know the structures of all these things and the payouts and deferrals and when the money becomes fully guaranteed and all that stuff. So th I'm sure there's other things that we don't know, but just on the face of it, when you've offered the guy who's won one playoff game, that kind of contract, you're not – you're not asking him to take less. You're just not asking him, don't take everything. All right, and the final one, Prescott should realize how much he makes off the field. And he does, but that's not his fault. You know, that, and the Cowboys shouldn't use that, in my view, as a way to get him to settle for less. Um, you, you know, And I'm not one of these guys who say, well, he, the Cowboys need to make up for, because, for it because he was a fourth-round pick. 
Well, no, Dak should have played better at Mississippi state. And then he wouldn't have been a fourth round pick. So, I, I mean, I, I don't want to become across as like total team guy here and saying, this is w- what Dak should have done. But I don't think the Cowboys can look and say, look, man, you're making all this money from Oikos and Frito-Lay and sleep number and Adidas and all this stuff. You, you know, you, you're still set and you're getting this because you come from the Cowboys. You know, not, there's not, if you're in Buffalo, you're not going to get these deals. That's not Dak's fault. It's a little bit like the Demarcus Lawrence answer about it's not his job to worry about how to make this work in the cap. That's Stephen Jones' job. Same kind of thing with Dak and this thing. I don't think the Cowboys can really use that necessarily to say this is an instance where, you know, you should take less because you make more off the field. So here's the final big question for you, Todd, before we let you go. Does this still get done before July 15th? And if not, do you think the sides are okay with the idea of both sides are okay with the idea of letting Dak play this year on the cat on the uh, tag? So this is where I'm going to play both sides of it right now and not give you a really good answer. <laughs> right now at 12, uh, 11, 15 uh, on the, what's today, the 27th, I say he plays on the tag. Now, if we get to July 14th, I might be thinking something differently because there's just not been this movement. And what's going to change between now and July 14th, 15th that is going to swing this thing? Unless Dak comes in and says, I want X and I want Y. And then the Cowboys will figure that out. That's what they've done with DeMarcus and Zach Martin and all these guys. But that's not been the case yet with uh, with Dak. So playing the year on the tag, if he plays the year on the tag, I wrote this when they played the Vikings. If they go this route, you're basically starting the divorce process with the quarterback. Kirk Cousins is the most recent example of that. He, he was tagged. Now, Washington never loved him the way the Cowboys love him. But you're, you're starting that process of it's getting unruly, the cap number in that third year, which will be $54 million bucks, to be in a situation where you can continue down this road. So that's the worry the Cowboys have that, all right, hey, Dak played for $2 million bucks last year. Why wouldn't he play for 31 this year? And now, okay, it'll be 38 next year to tag him again. Dak has to play well to earn that. So there, there are arguments on both sides why the tag is good and why the tag is bad. And, and you know, they have until July 15th to figure it out. Unfortunately, I think they'll wait till July 12th to start it. <laughs> That's typically the way things are done. Deadlines do make deals around here for some reason. All right, we appreciate you joining us, Todd. We uh, appreciate you taking some time with us. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to dive into a little more conversation around Dak Prescott. We'll be right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Do you want the most interesting, up-to-the-minute Dallas Cowboys news straight from the star in Frisco? How about exclusive and on-command? That's right, news and nuggets you can't find anywhere else. With our exclusive Cowboys content on Alexa, you can have all the answers, secrets, stories, and more. What's Stephen Jones thinking during a game? What's Joe Looney's favorite pregame meal? We take your questions to Cowboys players and coaches, and you can hear the answers directly back to you. Just say Alexa, open Dallas Cowboys. Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this, the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again for tailgating with the OtterBox boys. OtterBox, the company that builds wildly overproductive phone cases? The one and only. But cases are just the start. OtterBox is the official outfitter of tailgating. If they can keep my phone safe, what can they do for my parking lot party? How about protecting your beverages from suboptimal drinking temperatures with their elevation tumblers? And OtterBox elevation tumblers come in three sizes. A 10-ouncer, a 20-ouncer, and even a 64-ounce growler. Check out all the colors and sizes of their elevation tumblers at otterbox.com back to the break 
studios at the Star. We're talking Cowboys football. Just finished the interview with Todd Archer of ESPN. Got our normal crew, Nick, Amber, and Dave. He talked a lot about Dak, and I, you know, I want to get into this conversation with you guys. Uh, we'll get into some of those rumors that are out that are out there, and, and kind of how you guys feel about those. But before we do, first question I have for you guys is: What is the best thing that Dak does? Let's start with you, Dave. Um, the best thing Dak, I mean, right off the bat, and I, it sounds, I don't know, maybe counterintuitive. I, I mean, his intangibles to me are probably the absolute best thing that he does, whether you talk about him being a rallying point, a natural leader, a charismatic, uh, and, you know, very influential member of that locker room, how that translates to the field. Uh, you know, he's unflappable. He's very poised, calm, uh, delivers in clutch moments. Spare me the commentary about his record against winning teams last year. I know that doesn't change the fact that he is a very poised and clutch quarterback. You can go back to the playoff game against the Seahawks. Um, the Packers. And, the, yeah, and, and it's not – I mean, the guy's obviously got great on-field ability, but that's probably the starting point with me is he's just – he's got the intangibles of a franchise quarterback. Amber. I mean, honestly, there's not much more that I can add to that. I agree with everything that Dave said. I mean, also the respect that he gets from his teammates. I have not heard anyone in the locker room ever speak bad about him or say anything negative or blame anything on him. So I think that that goes a long way. One of the things that I'm, I have trouble with is, yes, he's one of those guys that reacts well under pressure, but... At the same time, a lot of those times, it just it, it's too late. It happens too late in the game, and then you're left going home without a win. So uh, he has a lot of great things. I, I do think he has a lot of potential and can eventually give you what every, uh, you know, everything that the fans are asking for as far as winning games. But only time will tell. As far as that, but as far as in general ability, I do think he has everything to become that kind of quarterback in the future. Nick? I think the, the thing that he does the best is just, you know, like they said, the intangibles, uh, figuring out things on in the middle of the play, uh, knowing when to run, knowing how to use his strength. Um, you know, he, he does, he's not the most polished quarterback in terms of, mechanics but he he figures out a way to get it done uh when the lights come on now i i think you can argue all day about how clutch he is and 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 you know where the you know that poise you know comes comes through in the fourth quarter uh i don't think last year was a good example of that but i you know he's a guy do, at the bottom line do you want him on your team at the end of the game or not and i think the cowboys do i think most cowboys fans would say that they do um Last year just wasn't a great year for that, but I, that doesn't mean that uh, he's not good enough to, to get the job done. What's the area that he needs to improve most? Let's start with you, Amber. One of the things that um, bothers me, and, and I don't know, I don't know how to argue this very well because it, it can be applied to a lot of other quarterbacks around the leagues, but there are certain quarterbacks that it would not apply. This wouldn't apply to that. But Dak, to me, he's the kind of quarterback that needs guys around him in order to make things happen. For example, we've seen how Aaron Rodgers, I don't want to compare him to Aaron Rodgers or anything, but Aaron Rodgers can make guys look good. He can put the ball where he needs to go. Dak needs guy, guys that can actually be there to catch the ball. You know, I think there are too many elements that need to be working for Dak in order for the game to go his way. And that's one of the things that I really don't know. If he had that kind of offensive line that he does, if he had, if he didn't have Zeke and everybody else around there, we saw the trouble that he had when the Cowboys had a committee wide receiver group, you know, and things weren't necessarily clicking. I think that he wouldn't be as successful as he has been in those games that we've seen him. But in general, that's one of the things that, that raises questions for me is how many people does he actually need in order for him to be successful in the game? Biggest area he needs to improve. Accuracy. I mean, he just dished down the field accuracy. And, and I don't think you can come back and, and 
and and throw out stats about completion percentage. We know a lot of these are shorter passes. Um, you know that, that a lot of a lot of quarterbacks have. Um, but but I just think it's it's just you know there's some throws down the field that you know he could be better on the intermediate throws and stuff like that. Um, that's something that all quarterbacks can improve on, and and you know including Dak as well. I mean you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. Nobody's nobody's like Aaron Rodgers when it comes to that kind of accuracy. But I think he can get you know better than than some of the other quarterbacks that you know that are that are really accurate. He needs to kind of get on their level as well. I will say on that on that note, last year it seemed to me at least. Uh, that he and Gallup had a connection downfield that seemed to be improved over the year before that. So hopefully that signs that he's getting better in that area. I agree with you. He probably needs to get even better than that. Dave, where do you think is the biggest area he needs to improve? I agree with Nick, but differently. Honest, I mean, it was it was last week. Uh, NFL.com came out and said, you know, the guy based on. Uh, advanced metrics, the guy's the most accurate deep ball passer in the league. Uh, and I, I, I'm not worried about that. The thing I look at, Dak's got to make, he's got to make the routine look better. Uh, I think about, you know, the Saints game. They lose 12 to 10. Uh, he misses Randall Cobb in the end zone in the first quarter on a, a ball that could have been a touchdown, pretty routine, like 15, 18 yard throw. Fourth quarter misses Cobb again on a crossing route that's behind him. Cobb absolutely should have caught the ball, but it still wasn't in front of him. Um, it wasn't as well placed as it could have been. He's much more accurate than he gets credit for, uh, but that can be the difference between winning and losing is is that placement. And I do feel like, you know, sometimes those routine passes aren't as easily catchable as they should be. That doesn't mean his receivers should drop them but he could help his receivers out a little bit more. That's, I feel like that's been a thing for him for most of his career. Uh, he just needs to be more consistent with just the, the obvious easy plays. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, it, it seems to me like in a lot of those instances, it goes game by game. There's some games I walk away from and I'm like, man, Dak really did play that well. There's some quarters I walk away from like, man, Dak didn't have a great quarter. And then there are other ones where he's just on fire. And, uh, and hitting all of his targets where he needs to hit them. So I agree with you. Consistency is probably more the issue. It's not that he can't do it. It's that can he do it consistently enough, right? Yeah, he can definitely do it. There's loads of evidence that he can, but it, right. It's just, you know, you got to do it on third and five in the fourth the same way that you do it in the first. Yeah. All right, so, so let's talk a little bit about some of these theories that are out there. And you guys know you're on Twitter. You see all the different stuff that people are talking about right now with regards to Dak Prescott. Uh, I'm going to throw out a theory, and then I want each of you guys to tell me whether you agree or disagree with it and why. Uh, first theory was that Dallas waited too long to sign Dak Prescott. Let's start with Dave. Oh, I go back and forth about this a lot because I agree with what Todd said in the first segment. Like, it takes two to tango, and if if Dak and his people just aren't willing to play ball, then there's only so much that the Cowboys can do. And Todd did a great job of not really answering the second part of my question, which is like, at the same time, the Eagles managed to get this done way ahead of any kind of deadline. The Rams did it with Goff. The Seahawks did it with Russ, you know, well before his deal expired. I know, you know, Russ kind of put a deadline on, you know, OTAs, but he didn't threaten to hold out or anything like that. They still managed to get a deal done. I feel like the vast majority of quarterback contracts come in pretty far ahead of schedule. Um, and it hasn't been the case with the Cowboys. I'm not saying that they need to just offer him the world and make him the first $40 million quarterback, but nobody else seems to have the same kind of problem with this. So, you know, I'm not trying to fault the Cowboys too much, but it is curious to me that they're the one team that can't get this done ahead of time. Don't you have to note, at least from that standpoint, that in those instances, the Cowboy off the Cowboys offered a deal that was very comparable to what Wentz ended up signing, very comparable to what Goff ended up signing, probably a little better in some respects, according to some of the reports. So, I mean, what else can they do other than kind of offer a, a, a deal that seems to be on par with his his peers? Sure, if it's because Goff Wentz were first round picks, and so they already had the you know some guaranteed money in the bank, which that seems counterintuitive because you would think Dak would jump at a deal because he doesn't have any of that type of money. Uh, but maybe the fact that he's looking for his first big payday, him and his agents want to make sure it's as good as possible. I don't know, but it's it's kind of frustrating that these other teams haven't had this this issue. What do you think about that idea that Dallas waited too long to sign Dak? 
I don't think so. I, I, you know, I agree with what you guys said and what Todd had said. I mean, they, they did, you know, um, offer a, a deal and, you know, Dak decided that he wanted to play on, on the, the two million. And I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the math and I just don't understand that. I don't understand why he would want to do that. Um, I, I, I'm looking at a, at a deal. If he, if he did instead of 35 a year, if he did $40 million a year, uh, he would have taken that obviously. There's been a lot of rumors on that. That would have been a five-year deal. Forty. That's two hundred million. He, you know, at thirty-five, that's one hundred and seventy-five million. What's what's? I, I still don't understand why you would lose two. Why you would play for two million dollars? I, I don't. I don't get that. And how you're going to make up that money? You're never going to make up that money. Even if you did a forty million dollar deal, you wouldn't make up that money. So I don't understand his his, his line of thinking there. I personally think he's getting bad advice. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think the Cowboys waited too long. I think they're sticking to their guns on what they believe. Um, he's worth. Amber, I think it's a little bit of both. And honestly, maybe my memory is completely serving me wrong here. But I feel like many, many times during training camp that we would be talking to Stephen Jones and talk about the these DAC negotiations. Many times, I feel like I would hear. Oh, well, we haven't really talked yet. We haven't really talked yet. And I remember, I don't, I, again, please correct me if I'm completely wrong, but I remember when I, every time I would hear that, I'm like, what are you waiting for? Like, you know, you, you can easily talk. I don't know exactly how, how long it takes for these kind of conversations or the process of getting these conversations started, but I feel like the, maybe... In those instances, I would have liked to hear a different answer. Maybe it's like, okay, yes, we started talking, but nothing has come from it yet or something like that. That would make me feel like, yes, the Cowboys did start early on and did not drag this out in way too long. I do get that it takes both sides. But from what I remember, I feel like maybe the Cowboys could have started a little earlier. The one thing I will say, and this I think is just kind of a typical negotiating tactic, is when you got two parties that have already kind of given their initial ideas on what they think the contract should be or what they think should, the deal should be, it's almost a stalemate from the standpoint that the person that, that initiates contact first after that is the one that's more motivated to negotiate a little bit more, to give a little bit more. And you put yourself in a little worse negotiating position, right? That's just, that's a typical thing that happens in negotiations. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Cowboys always say, you know, you know, deadlines make deals is because in a lot of instances, once you get close to a deadline, then that kind of goes out the window for both parties. They're like, look, the deadline's tomorrow. Let's just see if there's something we can figure out. And you don't really give up any of that negotiating uh, leverage by doing that. And so I think in a lot of instances, the Cowboys are just trying to maintain as much leverage as they can in the negotiation. So is the other side. And so there really isn't any any discussion. They get to this stalemate and then nothing happens. They just sit there and both sides wait until one or the other decides they want to reinitiate con uh, contact and start negotiating harder. So I, again, I, I still think at the end of the day, they probably started at the right time. They didn't have the offer that Dak and his people wanted. And that's one of the reasons why they're still, uh, I guess, in this, in this situation. Let's go to the next theory. They said, uh, Cowboys want Prescott to settle for less. Let's start with you, Nick. Do you agree with that or disagree? Um, no, but no, I don't think they want him to settle for less. Uh, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand what that means. Less than what less than, I mean, he, they don't think he should be the highest paid quarterback in the league. Neither do I. So I don't, I don't think he, they should settle for less. Uh, I think what they're offering him is, is pretty fair. It sounds like they're offering him top five money, maybe number two overall. Uh, why would that be less? Um, if that's what you're asking, unless you're, are you asking about the off the field stuff? Or are you saying that they want him to settle for life? No, this is just, I don't think just, they just want him the to amount of the, the amount of the contract. And I guess even in this instance, you can factor in the number of years. If they're asking him to go to five years where he's asking for four years, knowing that the amount of money that quarterbacks may make in that fifth year, if TV contracts end up being what uh, some expect them to be, then he may be giving up a substantial amount of money in that fifth year of his deal. Like I said before, he, he's he's fine giving up money. He's already given up a lot of money last year. You know, he's trying to bet on himself. 
I don't think the I, I really don't. I don't think the Cowboys are asking him to settle for less. Um, it's weird how they pay quarterbacks. If you rank all the quarterbacks in the league, and just just based off ability, even on this show, I don't think is Dak is he in the top ten? I think eight, so. I think yeah, so. He's, he's, he's at the back, so he's he's eight, nine, ten. I mean, quarterbacks you would want on your football team. I think he's six, seven, eight, nine. You know, he's in that range. But they're offering him number two money. So, I mean, no, I don't think they're asking him for less. Okay, Amber. No, I think yeah, I think they're just asking for a fair price. You know, I think that that the Cowboys they're not trying to be like, oh, we're the upper hand here and we are the Cowboys. You know, that's initially maybe how I started seeing things a little bit because when you talk about. Um, all these um, sponsorships that come along just from being part of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that plays into the whole thing. But like Todd was saying earlier, you can't really use that as leverage because you can't guarantee that that kind of money either. But I think the Cowboys are just asking for him to settle for something that's fair, you know? And I'm, I'm to, I get on both sides, like from going completely angry to them being calm because on one hand I'm like you know what if you think you're this kind of quarterback then freaking go play somewhere else and show it over there with some other people with that kind of money of somebody that's willing to pay all that money for you but then I don't know I I just think that I'm on the cowboy side on this one right now dad should get his money but he he needs to like chill out a little bit and, and and be fair. Just be fair. Let me just be clear. I am not in agreement with you that you let him go and play somewhere else. I am not ready to go back to try. <laughs> that's to what that's when I get angry, you know, you, and then I, I go back to calming down. Yeah, no, no. He's, they got a quarterback. You do not let him walk. You need to figure this out because I'm not wanting to go back to the days of looking for a quarterback. Dave, what are your thoughts on this? By the very nature of the conversation, they are asking him to take less money. That is what's happening. And I, I'm not here to convince you that he's worth it. Your opinion doesn't matter to me. We're all going to have different ones, and that's fine. But they're asking him to take less money because this is how quarterbacks' markets work. Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo all got into the top of the market. All had done significantly less than Dak Prescott when they got that money. Jimmy Garoppolo got it off the strength of eight starts. They were asking him to take less money. Quarterbacks set the market when they get paid. That's what's happened for a decade, actually more than a decade. Uh, and if they don't want to pay it, that's fine. If they don't want to do that, that's their prerogative. I think it'll look like a bargain in 18 months. I don't understand the quibbling over $2 million per year if he wants 35 Freaking give him 35 because it'll be 42 when when Mahomes gets his money in six months anyway. So, again, not trying to convince anybody he's worth it, but they are asking him to take less. That's exactly what they're doing. But if, if you're if the Cowboys. The Cowboys uh, sorry, I was just going to say, if the Cowboys trust him so much and they want him to be the quarterback of the future so badly, then why not just freaking pay him then? And just but, like, okay. Um, because of, of what Dave said, though, those teams messed up. Like, why should you? Why should you just say, oh, "All right, well, the Raiders pay Derek Carr." Bad move because he's not. He, he he wasn't worth it. Garoppolo, we'll see. We'll see if that if that's worth it or not. I mean, I think Super Bowl. Um, and who's the other guy you mentioned? Uh, Kirk Cousins. I mean, these guys. Why should the Cowboys follow their lead? I mean, I, I don't. I don't think you have to do that just because other teams. Just because that's the quarterback market. I mean, I think they're. I don't think they're asking him to take less. I really don't. I think they're asking him to take. You know, he, he's been a pretty good quarterback, but they're going to pay him like he's one of the elite quarterbacks. He's not elite yet. He hasn't proven. I mean, the the Vikings have. They made the playoffs and won a game last year, and they were in contention the year before that. They have an absolutely loaded roster regardless of Cousins' money. Like, Cousins' deal didn't stop him from signing Thielen, Diggs. I know they traded him, but they gave him money first. They got Daniil Hunter making money on the other side of the ball. They got Harrison Smith. They got all these great players, and they're still paying Cousins. I know, you know, the Niners kind of caught lightning in a bottle because they got such a good draft class because Garoppolo got hurt. But his money is still not getting in the way of them having an absolutely loaded roster. 
I don't think they made a mistake at all. I mean, if if Garoppolo hits a, a deep ball in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl after the Golden Boy Pat Mahomes throws a Super Bowl, or I mean, <laughs> throws a Super Bowl, throws an interception, then we're talking about how the Niners are this amazing team that won a Super Bowl, Jimmy G. I definitely don't think they messed up by signing him. So, so basically, what you're saying is you just think the Cowboys should pay Dak higher than Russell Wilson right now because it's his turn and he should be the number one quarterback in the league, right? I mean, that's that's what they should do because that's what Stafford was number one at if one point. If that's what it takes to get it done, hell yeah. Again, well, I will say this: it ain't. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. It's these are these are not like these are finite numbers. Dak will be sixth in salary by the, the 2021 season. And I know COVID-19 kind of throws a wrench into some of these plans, but Todd was absolutely right in the first segment. They're going to negotiate these TV deals in the next year and they're going to start hitting in the next two, three years. And the money is going to absolutely roll in. Uh, so I just don't think this is going to hurt the Cowboys cap the way that some people think it would. I will say this. I do think it's one or the other. If you're not willing to, to if you want to go Nick's route and say, no, we're not going to set the market with our quarterback and your quarterback is, is, is hardcore that he's, he wants to get that kind of deal. Then eventually you're going to lose him because as Todd said, if you let him play on the cat on the uh, tag this year, you may be starting the, the the wheels in motion of the divorce from your quarterback because by next year, that tag number is 38. And by the year after that, it's in the 50s and it's not worth doing anymore, right? So you're in a situation where if your quarterback keeps playing hardball on that, then you find yourself in a Kirk Cousins situation. And so if you're going to play hardball back and say we're not going to set the market with you, then what's going to eventually happen is you're going to be back in the market of trying to find a quarterback. So how important is it to you? to not set the market. That's, I guess, the biggest issue. Because if you think this guy's a quarterback of the future for your team, you think he's good enough to get you to the promised land, are you willing to go back to the well and try to find another guy that you think is equally good or better? Throw this out there, too. Is there a scenario where Jack plays on the tag and is cheap in 2021? Because we're talking about potentially paying him to set the market after an eight and eight season. So they would have to be like, I mean, they would, they would have to be substantially terrible for him to have a lower asking price next year. Uh, be, I mean, you know, the, the, the roster looks good. They, I'm not saying they might not even make the playoffs, but I would be shocked if they're so bad that his asking price just comes way down. Uh, I don't think I buy that at all. Uh, Romo got his deal back in 2013 after three straight, or I'm sorry, two straight eight and eight seasons. So, I just I don't think the price goes down no matter what. So you might as well just eat it now, in my opinion. All right, let's get to the third and final theory here. Nick, did you have something right there? No, go ahead. Okay, third and final theory. Prescott should realize how much he makes off the field. Nick, let's start with you. I do, and and I think he does. I think he does realize it. Like we said before, the thirty. You know, to not to not play last year on, um, you know, to take a deal in the 30, 33 range and to play on $2 million. Now, Yeah, I think he does. Uh, understand should, that factor that into, should that factor into his asking price? It should not factor into his asking price. But if I'm the Cowboys, I, I, I know that. And so, like, this is the deal. Like, this, this is – I think the Cowboys can – can use it as their own negotiation to say we can stand firm on this. Um, you're you're making a lot more money here, so if you want to if you want to go and get forty million a year to play for another team, that's fine. But at the end of the day, you won't make more money. So I think if I'm the Cowboys, I I, I would I would definitely use it as my negotiation. I, I definitely would for sure. Amber, I don't think I don't I don't know if his agent and him have done this already or not. But if it was me, I would literally sit down, put the numbers of, okay, this is what the offer is that, that they're giving you. Is it fair? Number one, because at the same time, I don't care how much money you're making from sponsors. At the end of the day, you need to feel like you're getting paid a fair price for what you're doing. But now on top of that, What's the amount that you're making from sponsorships? What are the estimates? When you add these two together, looking at that, you know, is it and thinking, okay, can you even top 
the total amount of money if you were playing for another team and consider and take that into consideration. Uh, I'm not saying that the Cowboys should use that as leverage, but more from Dak's party, they should be smart enough to analyze that whole thing, add up the numbers and figure out like, okay, maybe we do settle here. Maybe we play for this prize, be fair. But then at the same time, we're well aware of all the other money that's coming in from other sides. So I think that they, that definitely plays a role into the whole thing. I don't have a great answer to this. I can see both sides of it. I mean, you know, obviously it's good to be the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. It pays a lot of money, a lot of visibility. Uh, and and if I were Dak, I would definitely have that in the back of my mind. Like, do I really want to go somewhere else and not be the most visible quarterback in the sport? But at the same time, uh, the guys, you know, every time an NFL game goes to commercials, you're inundated with State Farm insurance commercials with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Those guys play in Kansas City and Green Bay, which are probably the two smallest markets in the NFL. Point being, but they have to in win this day, but they have to win championships to get oh, them. No, 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 they had to be good. Mahomes won the MVP. He he started getting all that. No, he won the MVP and started getting all that before he won the Super Bowl. You have to be the best quarterback in the league to get them. Oh. Well, but Dak down, Dak turned down a long term deal and bet on himself. Like Dak believes that he can pull that off. A quarterback probably does. Those are hyper competitive. I think that's all great, but I think I want to be clear about that, though. I think that the difference here is no. Dak has all yes. of these different uh, endorsements, and he's won, what, one playoff game? Those guys had to be MVP of the league and or win championships to get that level of notoriety. Yes. You have to be very good to pull it off outside of the Cowboys market. Agreed. I'm just saying you can do it. Um, so... I think Dak would be smart to keep that in the back of his mind, but I wouldn't settle for less because I have all of that on the table, basically. I guess the way I look at it is I do think it has to be factored in. I agree with Amber. I think it has to be factored in on both sides because I do think for the quarterback, he's got to look at it and say, okay, I can take $40 million flat rate from another team that may be willing to pay me that if I get to that point in my career where I can make that decision. But on the flip side of that, if I'm passing up a $35 million deal, year deal with the Cowboys, and as a part of the Cowboys, I'm going to get an extra $10 million a year in endorsements, that's going to put me at 45 And being in, I'm just going to throw out Cleveland, let's say, I'm only going to make that 40 I ain't making an extra penny for endorsements. Now I'm looking at it as Dak, and I'm saying, you know, maybe this is a great deal at 35 knowing I can get that extra 10 and endorsements that I can't get necessarily in these other places. Yeah, but wasn't Cleveland's with a grand total of zero playoff wins all over the commercials for the NFL last year? I think it was progressive. Like He was in every single one. A lot of that had to do with the fact that he was also a Heisman Trophy winner that had a high profile coming into the NFL. That matters as well, right? That doesn't have that resume. (laughs) I think, you know, I think it just comes down to kind of what, what she just said and what you're saying is that it's, it's all about the, it's about Dak and his team figuring that out. Just like if any, any of us were looking at a job, the offer is, you know, is what it is. Then you have to factor in the other things that you know about and, and, you know, and, and at the end of the day, add it all up because if, if you're going to leave all that on the table and, and you guys are right. I mean, small market quarterbacks can, you know, you can you can still you can be marketable. I mean, I think if his name was John Prescott, I think I don't think it would be the same as it's Dak. It's just easy to say. It's easy. He's got you know a marketable face. He's just you know he's got he's got. But John, no, Dak, yes. Yeah, I mean, if if if, cool if, if Patrick Mahomes shaved his head when he first got into the league, he may not have as many deals. He wouldn't have as many deals. He wouldn't have that head that um, that head and shoulders with with Paul <laughs> So I'm just saying it's about market, and I think Dak would go to another place. And because think about it, in all of sports, every sport, you just say Dak. You know who you're talking about. I mean, that that says something. It's like Shaq. It's like Kobe. You know, you got to be really good if your name is Michael and you and you're the you know the best. I mean, yeah. so and he is. But I'm just saying, you know, I, I just think 
they all you guys can you know he can get it done. He can go to another place and make more money, but I think he's got to factor in everything that, and I think he does factor it in. He knows what he's making. Yeah, I'll end the conversation, Nick, uh, with something you told me yesterday when we were talking on the phone about this. Uh, you mentioned the fact that uh, do you do you factor in whether it's the, uh, there's a state income tax wherever you're playing, and certainly you do because that's going to affect the amount of money you bring home. So in the same way you would factor that in. You would factor this in because it's additional revenue that you can generate based upon your performance and based upon your your job. So, yeah, I think it certainly should be factored in. I don't know that it changes at the end of the day, um, you know, kind of what the Cowboys offer. I do think it it should affect it should affect what Dak is willing to accept, knowing what his opportunities are to make money outside of just his job uh, as he's making this decision. Does this right. aging? Does this kind of aging? I don't know. I know there are different agents that do different things, but does the agent that deals with his contract also deals with contracts coming from sponsors? I assume that's different for every player, but a lot of the players are with agencies. So there's an agent that's primarily responsible for this, and there may be another part of that agency that also takes care, that takes care of their sponsorship. So yes, the agency typically is involved in all of that. It may not be the same person negotiating all those. It but makes me wonder, I'm like, okay, is this agent kind of more focused on what percentage he's getting out of this kind of contract versus sponsorship contracts, you know, because I know there are different agents out there. So I don't know. It's just another thing to, to kind of maybe wonder about. Dave, were you going to say something on that? I mean, he's got five people. I've met a couple over the years, I don't think Todd France guy that would negotiate that, but I'm also not sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's a good point. And it definitely is a good point because you're right. Uh, individuals kind of, kind of work looking for themselves, looking out for themselves as well. So it may be a situation where an agent is thinking about their own percentage versus what yeah. it means for DAC overall. And, and also I'll say this about, about the actual contract. I mean, uh, Dave mentioned some of these other deals in the past, the, the Stafford, Cousins, Garoppolo. Whatever happens here with Dak, like this, this contract is going to be used by other agents, by other teams. You know, this offseason, next offseason, two or three down the road. So, like, it, it's very important in the in the you know, uh, I guess the fraternity of agents. They got he, they got to make sure that this deal is on par too for the next guy and, and, and keep it going and not let you know not get a bargain deal. Yeah. All right, let's take our final break. When we come back, we'll have a couple questions Amber got uh, from you fans out there. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this, download the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Back to the break. 
We are live here in the final segment of the break, live from the virtual SWBC Mortgage Studio. And uh, Amber, this final segment, we're going to have a couple questions from you, from, from our fans, through you. So uh, what you got? Between the two new coordinators joining the staff, which side of the football are you most excited to see change and improvement significantly elevate the performance of these expectations in 2020? Anybody? <laughs> uh, sorry. I, I'm not – I mean, the offense is the most exciting part because you got Lamb and you got McCarthy and, you know, Dak – is supposed to take a, a jump, blah, blah, blah. Like the, the team's going to go as far as the offense, but I'm way more intrigued by the defense because of the expertise that Mike Nolan has because of uh, the intriguing new parts that they have. And the fact that defense was such a weak spot last year. So yeah, defense, just because it's so much more new. I'm actually going to change up the, the question a little bit and say special teams. I'm, I'm way more intrigued about what the new special teams coordinator is going to be able to provide because I think it was an area of problems for them last year. And I think they went out and got what a lot of people believe is one of, if not the best special teams uh, coordinator in the league. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how he changes what they're doing on special teams um, because of the level of experience that he has and the level of expertise that he has. Uh, that's where I'm most intrigued to see. What I'm most intrigued to see. I'll just say offense because uh, I, I do think that their offense needs to be better. Um, and, you know, against against the really good defenses. I mean, yeah, when when they scored 30 points or more, they won every game. But they didn't always score 30 points or more. They didn't always get there. And I think that they they had some challenges when they faced teams that were more uh, aggressive than they were, bigger and stronger. And um, so they, they're going to have to be able to to figure those things out, too. So I'll say offense is, is what I'm intrigued about, because like Dave said, that's where all the weapons are. That's what's really going to have to carry this team. I still think they can be a little bit better uh, and more consistent through the year. Well, let's talk about the defense a little more. And, and obviously, there are a lot of things that we don't know just yet. But in your opinion, who will be the most impactful player in the whole defense outside of Demarcus Lawrence, as far as talent. Hmm. I really hope it's Smith, just because of what an awesome, well, first of all, it would be an incredible story. I mean, for a guy to have that much go wrong and disappear from the game for that long and come back and, and make an impact, not only would it be a cool story, you know, as a reporter or fan, but it would mean really good things for this defense, hopefully, if you have a guy like that uh, that can get sacks and make life easier on DeMarcus. Jalen Smith, I think he's the most important guy. Um, not only does he play right there, you know, um, at the, not in the middle linebacker spot, but he plays linebacker where he's you know around the ball a lot. And when he's playing well and they can get him to play at a high level, then I think he can be really good for this team. But, you know, if, if they can't figure out how to make him a really consistent, productive player, well, then he could be a weak spot. Um, so I, I think that, you know, it's going to be very, very important to figure out the best way to make Jalen Smith uh, an impact player, a positive impact player. Um, you know, I would go with Leighton Vander Esch, his, his mate there at linebacker. I look at what Leighton was doing two years ago before the injury last year. Um, he was playing outstanding football, and he was a he was one of those players that made plays where there wasn't necessarily a play there. He would do things that could kind of change games. He would do things that would uh, give the Cowboys, uh, you know, kind of that that boost at certain points in games that they needed that critical play. Right? Um, I think I think he's going to be the guy if he's healthy, and I'm assuming he is. I'm going to trust everybody's word, his and the organization's word, until I see different. Uh, that he's healthy and ready to go. And if that's the case, I think he's going to be uh, one of the best players on this defense. I think he'll be one of the biggest playmakers. He'll be one of the guys we're talking about after games that made plays that changed the game. I hope you're right. And it's usually not those, uh, usually not, but <laughs> I hope it is not one of those uh, reoccurring things because we know he's been dealing with it ever since college. So hopefully it's nothing that, that will keep him out of the game for, you know, or something that will keep him dealing with neck problems all throughout the rest of his career. 
But neck problems I, or neck problems? Say neck, neck problems. Did you say neck problems? I'm <laughs> both, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem too, but <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that's, That's a good question that I think we're going to have time for. We went yeah. long on that conversation around Dak, which was really good, though. I appreciate you guys taking some time to do that. And we appreciate you guys joining us today. We'll be back next week at our normal time, 11 a.m. Central. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Amber Garcia, Dave Hellman, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys?